Nikki, thank you for showing up and we've scheduled this several times. It just shows your character, the man who could go again and forgive and go again. So thanks a lot. So we are just gonna have a regular conversation about something you did a month ago. A month ago. Is it that long already? Holy crap. I know, right? It is crazy. It seems actually a lot longer. It seems like a year, but we've had six months coaching or three months coaching prior to that. So what we're talking about is this training we call the Hero's Calling. It's our signature training here at Dental Syndicate. And what it does, it just invites you to be the hero of your story. It invites you to be the leader that everybody wants to follow in three days. So, uh, Keith, tell me this. Prior coming to Hero's Calling training, tell me, what was your life like? I mean, what was your business, your practice, your marriage, just yourself? What was your life like prior to the Hero's Calling? Um, overall, I'd say it was good because I didn't know what else it could have been. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I'd been in my practice for 20 years, and uh, for at least half of that, I have been at odds with my partner. And that's just, just the way it's been. We've had different philosophies and different goals and different targets. Um, but I never fought for what I believed in and what I felt we needed to do. Um, I always kind of succumbed to or gave into the group or the herd, so to speak, rather than speaking up and saying, no, we need to do this or no, I think we should do this instead. Um, and it's kind of been my way in uh, well, many aspects of my life. Uh, first marriage failure was similar, uh, you know, giving in more than I was getting given into, so to speak. And um, it's kind of the behavior of, of, of being Keith. So here's what I'm hearing. Your life was working for you. You're in a practice for 20 years. From what you knew, you're doing the best you could in the moment. You had a practice 20, even though you wanted a different direction in your practice, you kind of just succumb and you no know, herd mentality. I heard you say, mm -hmm. um, and maybe even some of that kind of, you know, not really fighting for what you want or declaring who you are may contribute to part of your first divorce. And so your life is still working for you. So eating, drinking, living life, and you're great. You just wasn't living life maybe to the fullest. And you didn't even know what the fullest could look like until you had this encounter at the hero's calling. Would you agree that's a fair statement, general fair statement? Yeah. Um, if, if I if I may say, even before that, when we were doing the, um, what was it called before the hero's calling that we were Level doing? up coaching? The level up. Yeah, even in the level up, it, it was uh, becoming prominent for me, but it was the, it was the weekend away that kind of nailed it home for me. So Keith, so some people come to Dental Syndicate, um, a signature hero's calling just straight off the, the web referral or whatever. Others have a process leading up to it. And Keith was one of those. He had a three month coaching process prior to it. So right there, I would say it started cracking and shedding light for you're like, hey, there's a more possible, there's something different. And mm -hmm. then you jumped onto the training. Okay, so share your experience, uh, um, what happened in the three-day training. Now, listen, I love our exercises, but you know what? No one really knows what they are. You can spend half an hour explaining them. They still don't get it. They need to have their own shared experience. Yep. Um, we could share the exercises. Mm -hmm. doing the, what people really care about, Keith, is your own experience. It's like, right. we did this exercise, and here's my experience. You know what I mean? And that's right. what they want to capture is what was the shift? What changed for you that you – 
are seeing life in a different perspective today. All right. Remember, I'm a crier, so it may come. <laughs> <laughs> um, Smart ass yeah. for sure. Crier, yeah. maybe not yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole weekend, and it seemed like every exercise built on the on the previous one and kind of added to it. And over the course of the three days, it was just coming to the realization of a lifetime of feeling and being inadequate and not feeling like I'm enough and realizing that and being shown that I am enough and I am the person that I, I thought I wanted to be, the things I didn't see in myself, other people saw in me. And I never allowed myself to see that. And, and that's what the weekend did for me. It finally cracked that open where I could see it in myself. Well, great. So now do this. Tell me a specific moment or training where someone said something to you, you go like, wow, that sounds familiar. Oh, wait, that's me. <laughs> you know, and you can describe exercise a little bit. But it helps you put it in context. I'm just saying some people want to know they hide behind the exercise versus that's just one of the tools. I, I have. I, I think I have exactly what you're asking. Tell me, tell me, tell me. So, so my group was, we broke up into the four of us, me and my buddy and then the two partner buddies. Um, and it was me and three women. And we had to express something that we were pretending to be. And I, I, I think that's the one it was. And I was like, I pretended to be in charge and act like I know what I'm doing and, and, and be the leader. And literally all three of them were like, you're not a leader. You just led three women for three days. You're a leader. <laughs> that is hilarious. So you thought you were pretending while you're leading and they experienced you to be a great leader in those three days. Yes. Wow. So where did that show up prior to the training? Where did you think you were just going through the motions and you didn't realize your impact? You didn't realize your contribution to, to the, the, the success of the situation or even the people. Um, I, I would say on a regular basis in, in, in the general practice, um, there were so many instances where, I could have had an opportunity to, or I did have an opportunity and I didn't handle it as a leader, or at least I didn't think I did um, because my reaction was to brush it off because my, I, I was at the point where I felt my opinion or, or my two cents didn't matter. So instead of speaking into a conflict or a situation that was in the office where there was this person talking about this person or this patient that had this experience and we needed to resolve something, it was, well, what do they want to do or what does he want to do or how does he want to handle it instead of here's how I think we should handle it. Mm. And, and it, that was the complacency and the level of acceptance of where I, I felt I was at, that I was living before and, and kind of the weekend flipped that for me. And it, it's kind of one of those, you huh, I should have handled this or I could have handled it that way. And there's just so many things that, little instances, little interactions to big, hey, this patient's pissed off and you need to take care of it type thing to, hey, so-and-so use my coffee cup type shit. And, oh, can I swear on Facebook? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I um, do all the time. All they right. haven't okay. me off yet. Um, you know, so, so there's just kind of the looking back and realizing um, I've never been one to pick up social cues well anyway. Uh, so as I've gotten older, I've realized that. And going through the, the the weekend and the training made me look back at some of the situations where it wasn't necessarily a social cue, but it was a situation where I should have handled it more as a leader and less as a participant. So here's what I'm hearing. The training helped you see, help you become self-aware 
that you're already a leader, even though you didn't define yourself to be a leader because you resonated that 20 years ago in your business practice, you slowly start resonating your leadership influence. So you didn't see yourself as a leader until in the training, you started seeing yourself because the exercise we do just help you see yourself in different perspective, helps you confront situations where you have to take a step back and have a dialogue conversation about. And in those situations, you get feedback from other people and they help you become self-aware of what you might not have known that's already there. And what I heard you say is you were not self-aware how powerful you are or how much impact you make. You thought you were just going through the motions. Mm -hmm. And so now that you understand the impact that you have, the power that you have, you see yourself as a leader. You're not trying to do more so you can have more and become a leader. You already are a leader. And yep. from being a leader, you do what leaders do and you have what leaders have. From being a leader, you have what leaders have and you do what leaders do. But you're starting off that you already are a leader, Keith. Is that correct? Correct. So what has started shifting outside of your world? What started had shifting since you came back a month now that you, you're owning the title, that you're already a leader, you're already an influencer, you already make impact in people's life. And that's a responsibility you have to carry now. That's a right. gift that you can't just squander you have to really own it what has changed in your personal um, professional life well uh, the, to use your words i'm carrying that responsibility when i encounter those situations i i don't say whatever i don't defer to somebody else uh, as i shared to you when when the sale of my practice fell apart i could have just been oh, whatever and gone through the motions but i went to the team and i said here's where i am here's where we're at here's what's happening and this is how we're going to do it and bef before I would have been, oh, okay, how do you want to handle this? And what has been the, the I, mean, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure you're shocking some people who worked with you for 20 years. And all of a sudden you're saying you're being uh, uh, a definite, you're being clear. This right. is what we're doing, how we're doing. And they're like, whoa, who's this guy? Where did you come from? Right? right. How, I'm wondering how individual people are responding to you. Um, I, I think in a positive way. Um, you know, I, I think, I, I think I shared with you, I, one of the things I did when I first came back from the training, I acknowledged our office manager and all the shit that she's been through over the last year with everything going on. And I said, you know, thanks for sticking around and sticking with it and holding everything together while the rest of us are trying to figure things out and acting like idiots. Um, and and I, I, I feel like she was genuinely touched that I took the time to say, hey, would you sit down? I, I just want to say something. And I just spoke to her from my heart and was honest with her i said i know I've, I've been a contributor to these problems that you've had to deal with and and i acknowledge my part and I, i'm committed to not adding to that anymore and i'm committed to solving problems instead of creating problems and, and thanks for everything you've done thanks for everything you do do thanks for keeping everything together over the last year of chaos between covid and and trying to sell the practice and everything else that's gone on in in life and, and in dentistry let me just break down the last paragraph you said and how powerful it is. First of all, you spoke from your heart. Major shift there from speaking from your head and your heart is most conversations with myself and sometimes with other people. When you're in your head, you're dead, meaning conversations stop up here. We don't really give them to other people. And to shift down to your heart, that's dangerous. Speaking from your heart is dangerous because there's connection. You're risking Put yourself out there of what you want, what you like, what you don't like, and there could be rejection. But at the same time, when you give people a reason to reject you, you've given people a reason to accept you. 
So you put your heart out there and your heart acknowledged her contribution. Wow. When you're in your head, up until now I heard, you haven't really acknowledged your contribution. It's an expectation. You just right. do your work you expect it. But your heart has gratitude and appreciation. Mm -hmm. And you Absolutely. acknowledged her. And, and here's a beautiful part. I love that what part of you acknowledge her. Not only acknowledging what she did, but acknowledging your contribution to the issue. Right. You acknowledge, hey, I acknowledge just my contribution to the issue that you've had to clean up in the last several years, right? Mm -hmm. But And the most powerful part for me is, yeah, you can acknowledge you're an asshole. You can acknowledge you're a dick. Look, I cussed twice. You can acknowledge all those things. But what's really important for me is when you say, and this one I'm committed to. Because now I know how to hold you. Now I know how to expect from Keith. Now I know what my leader is going to do because he told me what he is committed to. And I could watch for that. I walk, watch for that intersection of his commitment and his actions intersecting. And then I could go behind him and trust him because he made that acknowledgement that he's caused part of the problem. And so that's like, you know, right there, hey, I could trust you, man. You own your shit. Great. How about now you say, I'm committed to this. And now they have something to watch you, look forward to, and see what you're committed to. And when that commitment happens, they see that intersection and trust is built there. So tell me, where did you get to the point where you could simply acknowledge your shit and make a commitment? Where, where did that come up for you in the training? Uh, it, again, it was started to, to, to creep in and level up, but it was um, over the course of the weekend. I don't know if there was a specific... Uh, exercise or or point where I was like, you know, I've made my own pot and I'm stuck in it. Um, <laughs> actually, I take that back. It was probably the part where you're talking about um, you're just opening your mouth and letting everyone shit in your mouth and you're just stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say anything like that. I'm no, such a not, sensitive. Not, that's not part of any, any executive training I've ever been to. No, no executive <laughs> training would talk like that. But yeah, I, it was that. That was probably a point where I was like, it, it kind of hit home. Where like, yeah, I've created a shithole, and I yep. have to swim in it and and lead myself out of it. Do you know the most? I mean, it's the funnest part for me being a coach and a trainer. They're called pattern interruptions. Our brain has a neural pathway it normally goes in. Okay. Yep. And when I say the most ridiculous thing in that room, and you know, I open my mouth and insert a lot of bullshit. And it just comes out my mouth. Right. And I really trust my heart. I say some of the dumbest things sometimes, but what it does is takes that, that neural pathway. You're expecting me to say something mm -hmm. and it derails it. Yep. It, 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 it knocks this off its course. It's called pattern interruption. It gets you to look at me for a minute and say, what the F did you say? And what yep. that does, it opens up another room, create another neural pathway. And so that pattern emotion when me, when I don't, I remember me saying, I just don't remember the full context and me telling you, and I'm yelling probably at that time. Yeah, you know, you were screaming, man. Yeah. yeah. You know, open your mouth. You just open your mouth and let people just shit in and all that. And you're like, what the, but also that, that pattern interruption, you know, I've learned that that pattern interruption, if you do it because you know, their target, you know, they want to be leaders that everyone wants to follow. You know, they want to be the hero of their own story to write their own story, not to be a victim, but be fully responsible for the outcome of their story. I could say all kinds of crazy pattern interruption because what it does is takes them out of their old story and starts creating a new story. Then, of course, we have to create the new story. So 
There was an exercise we had to did very end, and people are telling you their experience of you. They're saying, my experience of you is this, this, mm-hmm. this, this, that. What were some key words people said of you? Oh, Shazam. The Facebook drop. Did you get that? Are you I there? Still have live on, I still have live on Facebook. Okay. Let me just check real quick because I have no idea. It just popped. But I want to make sure people get this because this is a big question I wanted to ask you. Let me see where you're live. I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone. Say hello, phone. Uh, I don't see you yet. Nope. <gasps> We did drop. It says reload. Something went wrong. Reload. Okay. Let me wave. And let's see if there's time delay. Oh, yeah. It's watching me look at my phone. There you go. I wave. We're back. <laughs> Son of a biscuit. I saw my back phone just blank out. Because I want them to get this, Keith. People said my experience of you. We use other lines. But basically, they're saying my experience of you. And they just blasted all these characteristics they saw of you what two or three characteristics they say of you made you have a pattern interruption go whoa that's me that's how you see me that's how you experienced me over the last three days mm-hmm. give me a couple of those um uh, well leader and patient were two that were repeated um my favorite one though was smart ass <laughs> and why okay well, wait hold the smart ass why was leader a shock to you why was patient a shock to you because i hadn't well leader because i hadn't seen myself as one before that and and it wasn't until sometime over the weekend where i I realized that uh, i was finally the light bulb went off so to speak and i saw in myself what other people saw but i never allowed myself to see or never Mm -hmm. let myself see so so being called a leader was new to me or being accepted as being called a leader was new to me um Patient, um, I, I think I have just as short or just as long a fuse as anybody else. Um, but as I've, uh, you know, I'm also one of the older guys of the group. So maybe with time, I've learned to manage that better than others that I had don't realize that, you know, when I'm alone in my car and I snap because my freaking phone automatically goes to iTunes when I turn the car on. And it's full volume and it blasts me and I, I start cussing at the car. Um, yep. I snap, I'm screaming and swearing at the car. I, it happened the other day. And I swear I yelled so much, I spit on the windshield. I was so irate. Well, in but, your morning videos, you do a couple of times you're yelling at traffic. You said, right. my gratitude, my attitude today is I'm smarter than those dumbasses. In front yes. Of me. Oh, that, fucking people on the road. Holy <laughs> shit. Um, well, where you it is chaotic. Yeah, but so so, I guess to be recognized as finally learning to manage patience and deal with things mm-hmm. in a calm and controlled manner instead of the "what do you mean" type yeah. reaction. So so those that for me was well. Here's another area nice to hear. I'm curious if you realize this: leadership's not always doing right. Sometimes leadership is allowing things to happen because you trust the process, right? Yeah. I wonder if you consider some of this patient feedback you got. You're being patient because your wife was with you in the training. They saw that your wife is getting stuck in certain areas mm-hmm. and you were patiently not rescuing her. You're patiently letting her have her own experience. You're patiently trusting the process. And I wonder if some of that feedback came from that because she, your wife got her own gift at the end of the day. You didn't need to save and rescue her. You were, as a leader, just holding that space, holding that safe place 
for her to have her own experience and journey. And that to me shows a lot of restraint and a lot of patience that you know, because the process worked for you, you know it's gonna work for her. Everybody just has different timing. That's a big right. definition patient for me. Do you uh, contribute or tribute some of that um, relationship with your wife to them saying that you were patient? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it was, it was huge to watch you. That, I know as a husband, I wouldn't go save my wife, rescue her, right. protect her, whatever language you would put, but it's more about me than letting her have her own experience. Right. And I saw you, I, you did that wonderfully. Even one part I asked you, hey, she's having a moment. Step mm -hmm. back, let her have her moment as you guys are exiting the room. Right. And you go, already done. And I was like, great job. You already committed to that. And so I really, I saw that as patience in you because it would have been so much easier. And I've seen other men rescue their wives in the room and stuff like that. And that was their issue is that they, they never, she never had the opportunity just to have that experience for herself. He's always rescuing her. It's not in a bad way. It's just we haven't been taught, trained, educated how to give each other space right. to have our own experience, get our own gifts, right? Yep. So now the beautiful one. Why did you like them calling you a smartass? Um, because because I've always been one. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and it's not something that – it's gotten me in trouble a lot of times. And, and, and the comment was, you know, was what I seen you as a smartass. And, and it was followed up with, and at first that pissed me off. But now that I know you a little bit, I think it's great. And then you yeah. need to keep being a smart ass. Yeah. And you and I have had a conversation before mm -hmm. about how, you know, I, I'm, I've learned as I've, again, as I've gotten older, I've learned to try and judge the room um, mm -hmm. and, and not push limits. That being said, whenever we get a new employee in the office, my first thing after meeting them is, I don't know your limits. And I'm probably going to push them. Please, please give me a warning when we're getting close. Because that kind of smart ass snarky comment is the first thing that comes to mind in most situations. Yeah, I'm the guy who's got the joke at the funeral and it starts laughing during the soliloquy or whatever <laughs> when they're talking about the dead guy. Um, I'm just that guy. It comes to my head and it's, it's, I've learned to filter a little bit but not enough sometimes. Well, I love what you said is that you know yourself so well that you can tell your patients, hey, this is who I am. If I cross the line, let me know. Give me a warning before I cross the line, but I'm just going to be authentic and, and, and personable and real with you. I think for me, I accept that Dennis any day than someone just come in and he feel it. You know, they're just fake smile, fake how you doing. Mm -hmm. It's like serious, right? Because they're not being naturally them. I think the greatest gift I saw you take away in the room is giving yourself permission to be a smart ass. Giving yourself permission. Because listen, any smart ass, if the anybody owns it, has to own the fact that they are above average in intelligence. To be a smart ass, to be a comedian, to see things in a different perspective, you have to be off your rocker just a little more than the average person. But that off the rocker, just a little, just gives you a different perspective. If you see humor in something somebody might not. Right. You see creativity in somebody might not see it. So it really is a gift that you have to, or a power that you have to learn how to control and contain to right. allow appropriately. But when you do allow appropriately, you're creating so much value for other people because they can't see that perspective. They don't see that angle. And when you do, you get more stripes on the beach ball for them to have a bigger beach ball, more presence in their life, more perspective in their life. Wouldn't yep. you agree? I do. I do. Uh, you know, 
um, looking at something from a different angle, like just a, that different view on something, it's easy to see, oh, that's what a horrible accident that person's maimed. Um, look how far their leg is sticking out, you know? It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's serious. Hey, I wish you were here in uh, Texas with us right now. You know, I'm here temporarily. Our house is being built in Colorado, um, <laughs> but I'm close to Danny. And Danny's taking a stand for men, doing men's training, all that. Mm -hmm. And you're going to the next one. He made another stand. I'll tell you the date coming up here. I think it's May 24th or something. Mm -hmm. uh, no, 21st through 23rd, I think. No, 24, 25, 27 through 29. 27 through 29. But here's why I want you to come. Well, I wish you were here before that. That He has a thing not connecting vulnerable. He, he's like, man, I want to connect vulnerable. I need some tools. I said, all right, go to improv class. They'll oh, yeah, teach yeah. you how to never say no, right? Mm -hmm. I can imagine. So he and I are going to sign up for it. He's doing the research. We're going to go together. Nice. And he's scared crapless. He's pooping his pants. That would be a blast. Right? I think going to improv class with you, learning how never say no. And I start a sentence, you chain it and Danny and all of us go, oh my gosh, we, we lose our crap, man. It'd be so funny. But it's a gift. I think comedians are literally geniuses. They see things different perspective. They're able to never say no. And they're so abundant. And that's my experience of you after the training. You're just so abundant. And I, you know me, I coach, I train only based on evidence. I don't make it bullshit based mm -hmm. on evidence. And I'll tell you why. And then you, you get to close this conversation. I see you as abundant, not only because there's more smile and laughter and smart ass for me. That is very evident. Um, your contribution to the community lately has been, you know, yeah, you still have your one word smart ass comments, but then you unpack them. And that just sheds more and more light. So like you hit them with a laser and then you beam it out for them to see it. I think that has been a great contribution to our community through our coaching calls. And second, I think I could tell your transformation is because through your wife. You have held the space of not being a serious, um, irritable, just a person who's stuck in their head, but more you've been holding the space as fun, loving, not serious, but purposeful. There's a word I really experience you now as purposeful, right? You being very purposeful and you hold that space. And I haven't seen your wife show up like a beast like she has. Like even right. this morning's call, she was like, she? bam, bam, bam. I was like, wow. She, she's, before, before I got on the call, she said something. She's like, did you see my face drop? When do you hear what he said to me today? I said, what about coaching? I go, she goes, yeah. Like I almost had to have you fix my jaw. <laughs> well how serious listen you guys that go back into the training room you're gonna experience a lot of different things different angles but for her to have that she's living literally in the 95 all she doesn't make statements she asks questions and she's leaning in she's listening intently also she asks this question I'm like damn that's a coach a seasoned coach would ask that question because there's so much clutter when people talk there's so much confusion and our job as coaches give them that clarity mm -hmm. so they can make decisions towards their target she went straight through the fog that everybody yep, else yep. was sitting in. She asked a question. The room got clear for everybody, especially the person talking. I was like, yep. damn, she didn't do that once. Three times she did that. Uh, my yep. jaw dropped. I was like, what the Christmas? I was like, you're, you're on your way. She has a gift she doesn't know. I know. I'm That's telling you. I'm, I'm telling you. She's a powerful woman. I'm waiting for her to explode. No, <laughs> no, no. you have to pick up the pieces and, that happen. Yeah, to give it. But here's what I'm trying to say. I think she's reached that level where she is just powerful, owning her own power, curious, because in your relationship, you're doing it for yourself, you're leading yourself, and you create this space.
then she's entered your space and she's expanding and challenges you to expand. Then in that same space, you start expanding. It's like a dance you two are having, keep on expanding each other's space because two are one. And in that, I'm experiencing both of you a lot different than six months ago. I mean, wow, night and day clarity. I feel I a mean, lot different. Yeah. Well, let's close this. couple personal things. I'm working on you with in our coaching and I'm committed to you because I want you to blow it up. You are working on your marketing yes, for your new practice. So let me just tell you, Bylan, marketing is no more than expression of your commitment. Yep. And what you said earlier, I acknowledge I'm committed. So if you just acknowledge what's going on with the patient and what you're committed to helping them, what you're committed to supporting them to do, what you're committed to transforming in their life, that's all you need to no marketing. That's the basic, right? So tell me right now, what? tell me a little bit about your marketing. What are you what are you acknowledging is broken in the community that's not working? And what are you, your commitment to resolve it with your skill set? Um, what well, what I believe is not working is the basic system itself of getting treatment and care for people with sleep apnea and snoring to a degree, but it's the facial pain patients that really don't have an out. There are a lot of people who are kind of trained and a lot of people who aren't kind of trained and they're all trying to help patients. Mm. So patients bounce around, they see different people, the different providers don't talk to each other. They've got a prescription for one medication from a from their headache doctor. They've got an mm -hmm. appliance from the dentist. They've got another appliance from uh, someone else. The record so far for me is seven. Patients come in and dumped out seven different appliances that they bounce between. So part of it is taking all of that here, you've been everywhere. Let's put it all together and find out what's really going on and kind of coaching and quarterbacking that and getting to the heart of the problem. But it's also, and, and that's part of it. But the big thing is fixing the system. The system is symptom-based and it needs to be cause-based. And that's yes. what I'm after. I'm What is causing your jaw to hurt? What is causing you to not be able to breathe at night? And how do we address that? And how do we correct that? And then what's your commitment? my commitment is to coaching them through what they need to do to improve their lives. I'm, I'm like you to me, I'm the coach. I'm like, here's what, here's what I see. Here's what I suggest. Here's the exercises. Here's the stretches. Here's the, whatever it is yep, yep. to help you get better. Here's what you need to do to get yourself better. Here's, awesome. the, here's the behavior the lifestyle and habit changes that need to happen for you to be better. I don't want you to feel better. I want you to be better. So I'm about to teach you this model. We call it the uh, conversation for a commitment. It's a seven-step conversation to help the other person take a commitment. And mm -hmm. the very end of it, it's partnership. We frame ourselves before we even start. I have a product to offer, product or service to offer for that person. Literally, in those seven steps or seven conversations for a commitment, I'm trying to qualify you if you can be my partner. I'm going to qualify you if we have a partnership. Win-win. Okay, mm -hmm. so I'm um, preference that I tell you this in this conversation for commitment, you always start off any conversation you're having, you're going to see if there can be a partner. We will reject people because they're not good partnership mm -hmm. because to traditional quote, quote, sales model is transactional, right? You give me some money. I get your product service. I'm like a prostitute. All you do is give me money. I take anybody's money. I'll give you my product service. I'm just a prostitute. It's very transactional. And at the end of it, there's no commitment guarantee. There's nothing. Right. We will teach you partnership. It's a win-win. It's a long-term game, not a short-term win. Okay? Here's what I just heard. 
if you're in partnership with these patients so they can have a healthier lifestyle, they're not in pain, and you're coaching them through, that's great, and you're finding the cause. My second question is this. Not only the patients, who else can you partner with to educate them so these patients don't come to you with seven appliances on average? The rest of the medical and dental community. And that's what we got to target to. Because think about this. The dentists I know, and you know at least, our community, everyone's there to do good. Now, mm -hmm. we'll have to admit, every basket has a couple of bad apples. Other people, they're just a profit. They'll step on people's head to do it. They don't care. That's just the reality of life. Every basket has a couple of bad apples. I think if the dentists we knew knew what you knew, they're not going to try to put band-aids on people. They're like, hey, this is a serious issue. I can't put a band-aid, or I could, but that's not within my wheelhouse. It's not ethically or morally sound in my heart. I know this guy, Dr. Keith Hollinger. How about you go see him? And then that's, see, that's abundant mentality versus scarce, like I might lose a patient. But no, that's not in your wheelhouse. No. Only when Keith has people come see him, that's not in his wheelhouse, and it's something uh, that's not within your, uh, your core competency and desire, because you're not doing general dentistry, you'll send them back to them. So I hear two things coming out of this as your leadership is solidified, your confidence, you're dropping your heart, you're not in your head anymore, you're being a smart ass, basically being authentically you, is you're giving people a new life without pain. And then they create new possibilities for themselves. What would it be like if you didn't have pain anymore? How would you rest and sleep? How would your marriage be different? How would your parenting be different? How much your self-confidence would be different and uh, produce wealth and income for whatever job you're doing, right? right? And I hear a partnership within the dental and medical community for them not have to pretend like they know everything, which is so hard to do, but to be able to partner with someone who's really committed to their patient success. Am I, am I on track? You are. Awesome. And so by when will you unfold and unmask this man and share him with the medical community and the, the, and the, the, the patients. Well, the, the baby's still gestating, but he's about to burst. <laughs> and when, when's the baby due? I don't know. When's our 90 days? <laughs> our 90 days ends in June, right? What, what month are we? April, May, June. Yep. yep. We start in March, June. Okay, we got to get your marketing, we got to get your uh, sales copy, we got to get your partnership agreements, we got to get a whole bunch of things in line. But at the end of this, let's close with this, Keith. What will you have that you currently don't have when you give birth in June? When you're talking to all these doctors about what you provide and you partner with them, it's a synergetic relationship. When you talk to these patients and you get your first 100 patients, what will you have that you currently don't have now? Purpose and fulfillment. Mm. Unpack that a little bit more. Um, it's been a long journey to get to the point where I realize this is what I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. And it's a hard fight against the standards to provide this treatment. Uh, it's an uphill battle every step of the way. And it's a steep uphill battle. Uh, so fighting the establishment, so to speak, is mm -hmm. it's hard and it's disheartening. Um, 
and it takes perseverance and I just keep sharpening the spikes in my shoes. So they dig into the dirt and, and fighting going forward. Um, I, I do want to create change in the community. I do want to create a new way for patients to be treated. That mm -hmm. is not what traditional medicine offers. Or is not limited by the insurance allowing them, right? Correct. You know, last night, uh, the co-founder of Dental Syndicate is Dr. Jeff Booski, my great friend and co-founder of, of Dental Syndicate. We were having dinner with a, a younger doctor, Dr. Daniel, last night. He's like, how do you get it where you're no longer fee, uh, where you're fully fee for service and no longer insurance? And Dr. Booski told him, and he literally just crapped in his pants right there because it takes a different amount of commitment. Yep. Dr. Jeff Booski has been that way for a long time, who was mentored by Dr. Um, Bruce Baird. And through that, I mean, they just had had um, so much freedom in their practice and doing what's right for the patient and not limit to what the patient gave them. That's what I'm hearing you say, right? And doing right. it right. No, first time, not seven appliances later. Nope. Awesome. And, not, and not because insurance says I can or can't. That's right. And the other part heard you say that there's also this new pride in yourself not only finding your passion and being able to release it but there's this new self-confidence there's self-pride can you elaborate on that before we close here um sure uh you know i depends on who you ask i'm either cocky or confident and i have been for a long time yeah um, but um i'm finally and i've never thought that but i am finally confident and again leading myself um, I, I am a board member and president of the American Academy of Clear Aligners, and I get a lot of questions. I, I um, am moderator on three sleep and pain chats in, in our community, and I have been much more vocal and much more responsive than I was before, simply because I'm more confident and more assured of myself Yes, and, and responding to people. And when someone posts a question that doesn't make sense to me, I'm like, no, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> or you need more information or are you comfortable? Are you sure you should be doing this, et cetera, et cetera. So um, acting out and being vocal in the community is something that I am already, I don't know, 50 times better at than I was before. I, I, I don't know what the numbers would be, yeah. but I'm much more involved. Here's what my experience of you. Here's my closing statement. This is what you trigger in me. Give me a reason to reject you then you've given me a reason to accept you. Yep. Give me a reason to reject you because this is what I stand for. And I'm like, man, that's kind of cheesy. Oral, facial, pain, whatever. Well, I don't like that. See, you give me a reason to reject you, but who gives a shit? Mm -hmm. But you've given the people a reason to accept you who has those symptoms or dentists or doctors who refer their patients out to those people. You so here's the here's the bottom line. You give people a reason to reject you, then you're giving people a reason to accept you. Because if you don't tell us what you stand for, how can I accept you if I don't have opportunity to reject you? Right. And those are the people who say you're confident. The people who say, Hey, he's giving me a reason to reject him because he's giving me a reason to accept him. Those people call you confident. The ones who call you cocky, you know who those are? The ones who wish they could be like you. Who can have the confidence to say, this is what I stand for. This is the table I set. You come sit and eat at my table or go sit somewhere else. But this is my table, what I stand for. So the people who understand that will say, man, you're confident. 
because you give me a reason to reject you, but you also you give me a reason to come sit down at your table because I know what you stand for. We got that dialogue, Keith. Yep. And the people call you cocky are the ones that wish they have the confidence that you do because they haven't given anybody a reason to reject them. They're people pleasers, doormats, and just agree to everything, and which means they really agree to nothing. Mm-hmm. So anytime someone call you cocky, you know where they're coming from. They call you confidence, you know where they're coming from. And the bottom line, you just be you, Keith. That's the best part I've seen out of train, authentically you. Okay, last question. So people go, okay, Sebastian, you can put a link on the bottom, come to your training. Damn straight I am, because we want to give it away. We've seen the transform lives, the transform marriage, transform businesses. We want to give this away. In fact, the next one I just put up my screen is May 14th through the 16th, and we want to give it away. And this one's going to be a unique one because all the current alumni are going to get a tool to enroll their friends and family to come into this training because we want you to build that community of transformation around you. So I'm going to put that down there, but you tell me this. If someone goes, all right, let me hear your pitch, Sebastian. I'll say, okay, here's my sales pitch. Keith, if someone's considering coming to the training, tell them why they should or should not. Um, it's it's life-altering. Um, you know, when, if you think your life is working and you're comfortable, great. I bet it's not as great as you think it is. And if you if you're think you're uncomfortable and you're missing that one thing, this is that one thing. Yeah. And this is the one thing you need to, whether you think you need it or not, this is going to give you the one thing you need to push you over the top and create a better life for yourself and everyone around you. Awesome, brother. I couldn't say it better. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time, my brother. Love Anytime, you much, much, and I can't wait to keep on being a smart ass with you. <laughs> See you, my brother. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.